Our sermon reading for this Sunday comes from 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. On Mount Horeb, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You shall also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Amalmaloha, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. An out-of-towner drove his car into a ditch in a desolated area. Luckily, a local farmer came to help with his big, strong horse named Buddy. He hitched Buddy up to the car and yelled, Pull, Nellie, pull. Buddy didn't move. Then the farmer hollered, Pull, Buster, pull. Buddy didn't respond. Once more, the farmer commanded, Pull, Coco, pull. Nothing. Then the farmer nonchalantly said, pull, buddy, pull. And the horse easily dragged the car out of the ditch. The motorist was most appreciative and very curious. He asked the farmer why he called his horse by the wrong name three times. The farmer said, oh, buddy is blind. And if he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try. Now, as comical as this scenario is, it brings up two thoughts that I have found to be true in life. First, when we feel like we're alone in this world or alone in whatever struggles we're experiencing, it's easy to just give up trying, to not care about moving forward in life or trying something new or different. And second, it reminds me that we are capable of much more than we often give ourselves credit for. 
these two truths both show up in our story about Elijah today as well. Now, before we get into the part of Elijah's story that we heard today, it's helpful to know a little background of what led up to this story. Ahab and Jezebel, two of the worst rulers the people of Israel had ever seen, turned away from God and chose to worship the god Baal instead. What's more, they sought out all of the prophets of the God of Israel to kill them. Now, about a hundred prophets of the God of Israel went into hiding in caves and were cared for by a secret devout follower of God named Obadiah, who lived in the palace. But God called Elijah, instead of to hide, to confront Ahab. Then we get this really awesome story about a standoff between Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, where Elijah proves to the people that the God of Israel is the one true God, and then proceeds to kill all the prophets of Baal. After this, Elijah actually works briefly with King Ahab to end a drought that was causing much suffering throughout the kingdom. Someone should really make a movie about this guy. He's fascinating. Anyway, even after all that Elijah had done to show that the God of Israel was the one true God, Jezebel was still a follower of Baal and was not pleased by any of this. So Jezebel swore to kill Elijah, which leads Elijah to run for his life out into the desert, where he lays down under the shade of a large bush and asks God not once but twice to take his life. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Even after all that Elisha has seen and done, he felt worthless, scared, and alone. He was depressed and wanted to give up and die. That's what depression does to you. It makes you feel alone. It makes you forget all that you have accomplished. It blinds you from seeing the possibilities, from seeing beyond whatever struggles you're facing, and makes you not want to even try anymore. Like Buddy. Anyone who has struggled with any kind of mental illness, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and countless others, will tell you that they have felt this way. I personally was diagnosed with depression when I was in high school and still struggle with it to this day, even though it's well-managed now. But this is a very real thing, and I can certainly relate to Elijah here. Even those who may not struggle with mental illness have certainly experienced times in their lives where they have felt despair and hopelessness. My heart especially goes out to teens and youth who have been bullied, who have contemplated suicide because they felt alone, felt there was no way out, felt like nobody cared. An average of 2.6 young people between the ages of 10 and 24 kill themselves each week in Washington State. However, unlike our story about Buddy, we are not alone. And this is what God wants Elijah to remember. Instead of taking Elijah's life, God sends an angel to provide food and water for Elijah twice, each time being commanded to get up and eat. 
So Elijah eats and drinks. And that gives him strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights through the wilderness of Mount Horeb, the same mountain where Moses and the people of Israel were given the Ten Commandments. And that is where our story for today comes in. Elijah is depressed. He can't see a way out. And even after hearing from Obadiah about the 100 other prophets that were hidden away and were saved, he still says to God that he's the only one left and he's afraid Jezebel will kill him. He also has lost hope that things will change for the people of Israel, that his mission, his life's ministry is a lost cause and has amounted to nothing. So God tells Elijah that he will pass by, something that he has only done once before with Moses. God wants to remind him of how important and special he is to God, to remind him that he is not alone, that God is with him, and that he has more strength and can do much more than he gives himself credit for. And now comes the interesting part of the story, in my opinion. Before God appears to Elijah, God sends a strong wind, an earthquake, and a fire. But God is not in any of those things. Instead, God appears to Elijah in the sound of sheer silence, or as other translations say, a still small voice or a gentle whisper. Now, why do you think God went to all that trouble of sending a wind, an earthquake, and a fire instead of just coming to Elijah in a whisper in the first place. Well, in other stories about gods circling around in the ancient world at that time, the gods were often credited and blamed for showing their strength and power in the form of natural disasters, usually out of disapproval of something that they thought the humans were doing. And so God starts off by doing this too showing that God is powerful and God can make these things happen like all the other gods. But God isn't in any of these acts of power because our God wants to show and exemplify that the God of Israel is different from all these other gods. The God of Israel is compassionate, loving, caring. Our God is always with us in gentle whispers, in still small voices, and even in sheer silence. Our God doesn't want to wreak havoc on the world. Instead, our God chooses to come to us and just be with us in the stillness, in the quiet, in the aftermath of hardship, despair, and fear. God simply, softly, and gently speaks to us. And that is something unparalleled in the ancient world. That makes our God unique. And while God is certainly with us in the valley of the shadow of death, so to speak, God certainly proves that by caring for Elijah in the desert, God also wants to be part of the renewal and the rebuilding. God is ready to remind us of all we have done and all we can do to remind us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And then God gives Elijah a system of support, hope in new rulers to come, in the training of a new prophet, Elisha, and in reminding him of all those people who do not 
worship Baal. 7,000 people, perhaps people who turned to God in part because of his faith and the example that he showed on Mount Carmel. Elijah is not really alone. He only thinks he is. His depression has blinded him. And you know, today, God surrounds us with a community of believers, too, to encourage us, to help us pull ourselves out of the ditch and remind us of all the things that God has done through us, as well as renew in us the hope of all that God has yet to do. That's what being the church is all about. For we, too, are capable of much more than we often give ourselves credit for. May you hear God's voice this week, the sound of whispers, small voices, and even sheer silence. Amen.